I spent the last three years learning from some of the most ingenious mergers and acquisition specialists around. And now I've decided to take the leap into buying businesses. The real questions are how will I do it? How much of the behind the scenes can we really show? And how can business owners like you maximize their purchase price and build generational wealth? This show is going to give you the answers. Join me and follow along as I share mine and other stories as we buy, sell, or merge healthcare businesses and physical therapy practices. I'm Dave Kittle, and this is The Dave Kittle Show. Hey, in this episode, we are going to cover how to sell your therapy practice for top dollar using adbacks to increase your EBITDA. I'm Dave Kittle, the physical therapist and the owner of Concierge Pain Relief Home Physical Therapy in New York City. And I'm also the CEO of the Fieldmaker Group. We are currently acquiring physical therapy practices in the New York and New Jersey area. Let's get into today's free training. First of all, I have nothing to sell you. I just want to full disclosure, we're putting out great, hopefully valuable and helpful content for therapy practice owners just like you so that you learn more about this process, can understand negotiations, your financials and how to potentially sell for max value or top dollar, which is typically what therapy practice owners care about if they've ever thought about selling some or all of their practice, if they've considered exiting. Anyway, let's get into it. So now, why should you care about the slide presentation? That's really ultimately, uh, your your time is very valuable. That is what you should be caring about. Why listen into this? If you are listening now on iTunes or Spotify, I definitely implore you, jump over to the YouTube. I have a slide presentation. I have some financial charts some numbers and things where we're going to talk about adbacks and EBITDA and adjusted EBITDA. So if you're listening now on iTunes or Spotify, this still will be valuable and helpful to you on the go. But if you can dedicate some time to jump in front of the slide presentation on YouTube for this episode, I believe it'll be much more helpful and much more valuable. So let's get into it. Why should you continue listening or watching this on YouTube, assuming now you jumped over to YouTube? So Because in this short presentation, you will learn many more factors on how you can legally and ethically sell your therapy practice for top dollar. So if you ever thought about selling some or all of your therapy practice, and uh, other than making sure that your loyal staff are taken care of, which is certainly important in that whole process, what you ultimately care about is selling for max value or top dollar. You want more than what's fair, or you want at least what's fair if not whatever is market rate at that time, right? So you put a lot of time and effort into growing your therapy practice, years and a lot of heartache and a lot of effort. So you deserve market rate, max value, or even top dollar in some cases. And it certainly depends on a lot of factors, including your financials, which is what we're gonna go over today. So now what we're gonna do, we're gonna define a few terms so that you can learn a little bit more on how to negotiate, which. If you're a therapy practice owner, we might buy your practice in New York or New Jersey. That's what we're doing. So yes, it is a little counterintuitive as to why would we be putting out information like this, that where you're going to be able to use this information and negotiate more firmly with us. So we believe that if X amount of uh, practice owners watch this type of stuff, they'll learn more about this whole process. They will start to know, like, and trust myself and our group more and potentially want to sell to us like a PT owner group or a therapy owner group, as opposed to a corporate or some other buyer. So that's why we're putting out this. This is all marketing. This is content marketing. This is why we're putting this out there. So now that you can learn how to best negotiate and learn all this instead of being 
instead of going into this process as an unknown or approaching it as it's an unknown and not sure how to navigate it. So that's why we're doing this. So let's get into it. You might hopefully be able to find some common ground with prospective buyers when considering what you believe to be top dollar. On this free training, we're going to be covering ad backs and discussing how ad backs can increase your overall asking price, ultimately increasing your exit price, whether you're selling 100% of your practice or if you're selling 65% of your practice and maybe keeping some meaningful equity position in the practice. This also, it depends whether you're going to continue to treat patients or not. That's a whole other conversation. We're putting out other information around that. So owner addbacks. Owner addbacks are addbacks to your profit, to your overall EBITDA. And more on addbacks in a second. If you don't know what EBITDA is, you do need to learn it. We have other interviews. We're interviewing therapy practice owners who have sold to other buyers in the past. We're interviewing brokers, M&A advisors, accountants, lawyers on our show, on my show, the Dave Kittle show. And you do need to learn it. I'm going to review it right now with you. And hopefully, uh, if you don't already know it, then it's something that you might be able to have as a takeaway today. So really quick, let's briefly touch on EBITDA, E-B-I-T-D-A. EBITDA is earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization. And EBITDA measures the company, or in this case, your therapy practice, the therapy practice's overall financial performance. And EBITDA is used as an alternative to other metrics, metrics of assessing and valuing a practice or valuing a business. It's an alternative to other metrics such as earnings, revenue, and income. And now, is EBITDA the same thing as net income? The net income that is listed as a line item on your yearly tax returns. Is EBITDA the same thing as net income? No, it is not. EBITDA is essentially net income or earnings with, as we mentioned, with the interest taxes, depreciation, and the amortization added back in. So we'll get into a little bit more of that. Now, let's go into addbacks. As a therapy practice owner, why should you care about addbacks? Well, because this is a big factor in selling your therapy practice for top dollar. You won't be able to sell your therapy practice and get the purchase price that you want without learning about addbacks. And in this process, maybe your broker teaches you a little bit about addbacks, maybe your accountant. If you have a financial advisor, there might be some folks in your corner. You definitely should have some type of an advisor. You don't necessarily need a broker, but many practice owners do use a broker. They'll probably teach you this and educate you more on this if you don't already know it. But again, this type of a presentation, you can watch and learn remotely. So hopefully it's an adjunct to the folks that are in your corner, your advisors that are in your corner during this process as you're moving into it or maybe you're already in the thick of it right now. Now, most buyers will value your practice on EBITDA, like we just mentioned. There's other buyers, there's other areas of sometimes real estate or, or other transactions where they're using something called SDE, Sellers Discretionary Earnings, SDE, but that's not typically the case with therapy practices, PTOT practices, healthcare practices and transactions. For us, we're using EBITDA and that's most often used in healthcare transactions when valuing your business, your therapy practice. Also, this is what therapy brokers are using to value your practice. We're using EBITDA as like to make sure we're all kind of speaking the same language, that we're all agreeing on like, here's how we would value this therapy practice asset. Here's how we're going to value it. We use EBITDA. So if you get a business broker, like I said, they will be using EBITDA. 
And after factoring in your ad backs and adjustments, brokers and buyers, so the broker that might represent you, and then us, the buyers, will typically come up with an adjusted EBITDA. Doesn't mean we're necessarily going to agree on the adjusted EBITDA. And there's that's where the negotiation happens of what items. And we're going to go over some of those items today in this presentation. But then it becomes, there's an EBITDA number and then there's an adjusted EBITDA number. I have some charts today in the slide presentation to kind of show you, to give you a little visual. As I'm saying, if you're on the iTunes podcast or Spotify, jump over to YouTube, you'll be able to see those charts. Let's get into it further. The greater the EBITDA, the greater the purchase price you can demand or negotiate for your therapy practice, which is certainly important, right? Now, here's a quick chart. We're going to get into the first chart here. Here's a quick chart to show EBITDA, addbacks, adjusted EBITDA, and how it affects your overall valuation and overall asking price. So this is the sources company financial statement that pulled this off some website. This right here. So we'll start at the very top line. Net income after taxes for this hypothetical, this business. Net income after taxes, $600,000. There's uh, interest expense, $150,000. Taxes, income taxes, three hundred grand. Depreciation expenses, two hundred grand. Amortization expenses, $10,000. Obviously, if you're a therapy practice owner, you may not have some of these. Maybe you don't have amortization, for example. You might, you might not have some of these items, but typically you'll have maybe some of them. And ultimately, you're going to have what you understand as your net income after taxes. You probably know that number on an annual basis or what it's been either before COVID, during COVID, or, or now in the thick of it. Ultimately, let's focus on these two bolded numbers. So the first bolded number is EBITDA. So for this, this anonymous hypothetical business here, EBITDA of $1.26 million, so $1,260,000 EBITDA. So once that's been defined from the financials, from looking at, again, the, the net income and adding back in the, the taxes, the interest, depreciation, amortization, et cetera, that's where we would come up with an EBITDA number. And then the secondary part is the adjusted EBITDA, which is kind of the crux of this whole presentation. How do we go from EBITDA to adjusted EBITDA? EBITDA is without owner's compensation and excess payments to the owner. So we would get to the adjusted EBITDA by adding in, in this case, the excess compensation to the owner on an annual basis, $200,000. So maybe the owner is paid, you know, I don't know, uh, 80, 90, $100,000 as a salary, maybe more, maybe less on an annual basis. And then there's going to be owner draws or dividends or how, you know, distributions, however, the therapy practice and the accountant has it arranged. So then it might total the excess compensation paid to the owner of $200,000 on an annual basis and excess lease payments to the owner. So in this case, excess lease payments to the owner, this would be assuming, I didn't know this when I made when I put this chart in the slide presentation, but this would assume that the owner, I believe, would own the real estate of where the practice is located. So excess lease payments to the owner. So the practice is paying above market rate in lease payments to the owner. So the owner owns the real estate of where the therapy practice is located. And the owner, the same individual, owns the therapy practice. And the therapy practice is paying lease payments monthly to the landlord, who in this case is the same person. It's common. It happens. We speak to some owners, less in New York because of the cost of real estate, but it does happen. And it's uh, more common in New Jersey. And it's certainly more common elsewhere, Pennsylvania and other states 
as you all know, and have colleagues that might end up buying the real estate of the practice of the location. So those would be adjustments, right? So that's where we would get to an adjusted EBITDA number. So we have EBITDA to recap 1.26 million. Then we have these addbacks, the excess owner compensation, 200 grand, excess lease payments to the owner, 100 grand. That extra 300 grand would be added back in to create this adjusted EBITDA number, this $1.56 million adjusted EBITDA number. Now, if you speak with a broker, if you work with a broker, typically they're going to have all this arranged before they contact us or they contact other corporate buyers or they contact us as, as a therapy owner group type of thing. They're going to have like a financial package of your financials and they'll you know make sure that we sign an NDA, a non-disclosure agreement before we interface and before we communicate. And obviously you, the therapy practice owner and your broker will want to utilize adjusted EBITDA with the addbacks to get top dollar. Because obviously if you have the 1.2 is lower, the EBITDA number 1.26 is lower than the 1.56. So of course you would want the larger number. And that's part of this whole presentation of the addbacks. You can now see just in this short example that with the addbacks, now your overall adjusted EBITDA number is larger. Then the next step would be we all subjectively negotiate the multiple of adjusted EBITDA. So ballpark times three, but it really can depend. It can go two to three to four to five to seven in some cases if the therapy practice is larger and has more net income cash flow on a calendar year. If they have multiple locations, they have a lot of staff that has been there for years and have retained staff, which would show stability to the buyer. But ultimately, you will want to get to that adjusted EBITDA number, which your accountant will help you with, your broker will help you with, uh, an M&A advisor may help you with. It really depends on who's in your corner. So that's the first chart. So anyway, back to addbacks a little bit more. Addbacks are valuable because the more that you can show, the higher that you can sell your therapy practice for. Obviously, again, showing, meaning demonstrating, listing out and having them actually be items that actually were paid for and that were legitimate. We'll get more into that. Practice owners will legally write off many items and qualify for many tax deductions as they should. They're, they're providing a valuable service to the community. And they are in the position where they took a lot of risk to do so and, and took a lot of time and effort away from their families to build up their practice. So, of course, they should qualify for many of these tax deductions. And that's just the way the IRS tax code was drafted and is in existence still today. These are considered addbacks to profit, right? An owner like you will want to document these deductions that will not occur or will not reoccur for a buyer who may buy your business. I'll just say that again. So an owner like you will want to document these deductions that will not occur and will not reoccur for a buyer who may acquire that business, acquire your practice. Now, the ultimate test is, will these expenses occur when the new buyer acquires your business? Will these expenses occur when the new buyer buys and takes over your business? Many addbacks include all these things that you guys already know, travel, entertainment. In some cases, we've seen all the family cars and all the family members' uh, cell phone plans on the business books as deductions. And if these deductions were all part of performing job duties and job functions to generate new business or marketing or traveling to 
continuing education courses, trade association meetings and conferences like CSM, APTA, private practice section, you know, your state's chapter meetings, those types of things, then they may be considered addbacks to profit. We break down addbacks in two categories. Here's where we're going to make things crystal clear, very, very simple. And when I say we, it's like my team, but also we as like the collective, you know, buyers and seller market. Like this is how typical addbacks are broken down into two categories. Very, very simple. This is what a lot of investment bankers will utilize, brokers, et cetera. We should probably all find common ground on agreeing to this. So let's get into the two categories. Number one, non-business related addbacks. Number two, non-recurring or extraordinary or extraordinary addbacks. So number one, non-business related addbacks. Number two, non-recurring or extraordinary addbacks. The key part about these addbacks is whether the expense drives revenue growth. This is all, this is, this is how we make it very, very simple. Does the addback drive revenue growth or not? And if currently the addback drives revenue growth, such as anything that marketing, anything that's in that component, if it drives revenue growth for you now as the owner, and if you sell your practice and another buyer takes over, that buyer will, will want to have those same expenses that drive revenue growth. And therefore, they're typically not going to be an ad back to profit because those are required to continue to ramp up and grow the practice and expand the business as opposed to the non-business related. So we'll get into that further. If they do not drive revenue growth, they can be considered an ad back. If they do drive revenue growth, that's a function of the business. Like whether it's Facebook ads, Google ads, things that are marketing expenses is like the easiest thing to consider. Any marketing expense that you do now or you did last year or the year before, a buyer is going to look at that and say, well, yeah, we might want to do that too. We might want to do Facebook ads, Google ads, whatever type of marketing, because we want to drive new business. We want to have more marketing exposure. We want to get more eyeballs on our website, more traffic on our website. We want to get more foot traffic into our clinic. So it could be advertising workshops, things like that, demonstrations, talks, events, things like that. All of that would be driving revenue growth. So if they do not drive revenue growth, they can be considered an addback. Hopefully, again, also with the slides following along, it's like, hopefully it'll keep me on track and keep everything very super simple and clear. Always keep this revenue generating premise in your mind when determining what is an addback. Now let's dive into non-business related addbacks. Non-business related addbacks are considered owner's perks, totally legit, totally fine. That's the way it should be. Again, you took all the risk and the effort to open a practice, open a business, grow it, all that. You deserve owner perks. And that's just the nature of the IRS tax code and the nature of the free market system here in the, in the beautiful US of A. So these allowances or sometimes termed benefits are things that you as the owner receive because you're the owner of the business. The main part to consider is the owner's compensation. Consider if it is customary to have a car allowance for the type of business that you own. And if these have been put through your practice's financials and the related insurance expenses for these vehicles, these are expenses the business incurred resulting from business operations that are not in the normal course of business. And any charitable or political donations made by the practice that are not considered crucial to the continued success of the practice. And since these expenses are likely to incur in the future, 
keep them handy when preparing your financial statements, your documents when selling your practice. Of course, that only makes sense. So these are considered non-recurring expenses and can be considered, they can be added back to normalize income. So now let's look at a hypothetical physical therapy's financials. Here we go. Second chart here, physical therapy practice, let's just say in so 1.5 million in annual revenue. Again, these are all hypothetical. This is not, there's no name here. This is just something I made up for this presentation. Annual revenue, 1.5 million. Let's say the practice has a measured EBITDA of 250,000, which again, your broker will dive in or your financial advisor, your accountant, et cetera, your banker, whoever it might be, will help you derive that number. If you're financially savvy, maybe you'll be able to do that yourself. And then us as well on the buy side, we will look at your financial statements, your tax returns, your income statement, your balance sheet, your profit and loss statement. We'll look at your financials and then we'll look at, probably come up with an EBITDA number. Typically we'll come up with an EBITDA number. Then we're gonna look at the addbacks. So now in this hypothetical situation, we got 1.5 million in annual top line revenue, EBITDA of $250,000, addbacks of $200,000. So you take the 250, 250K and the 200K from EBITDA and the addbacks and a very simple rudimentary demonstration. Now we have an adjusted EBITDA of $450,000. So the EBITDA multiple, again, is subjective. That's part of the negotiation. The lower, there's a sliding scale of EBITDA multiple. If it's a solo therapy practice, you don't have as much leverage to get a higher multiple of EBITDA unless you have a lot of staff. Maybe it's a large location. Maybe you have a lot of cash pay services, monthly memberships that are recurring for clients that are coming to do wellness services or have you know like a gym membership. Those types of things will potentially have a higher multiple of EBITDA. So the number... 3x EBITDA, it's like for service-based businesses, it's kind of like where we all start. If it's a solo PT practice, oftentimes a solo, like one therapist in the practice is not usually valuable. So sometimes those practices might be valued at like one times EBITDA or at the most one times revenue. But let's just focus on this EBITDA multiple for this example is three. That's all, all subjective. That's a whole other conversation. So if you're taking the EBITDA number, of $250,000 times three, so times a three times multiplier of EBITDA, valuation of $750,000. Of course, you as the practice owner, you're going to say, hey, but what about my ad backs? What about expenses that the therapy practice owner is using with the, again, the, the family cars, the family cell phone plan, season tickets to the Yankees, the Mets, the Eagles, the Phillies, like things that are owner perks and again, the above market compensation, the above market uh, distributions, the above market lease payments, if that owner is the landlord, all those types of things, you have to add that back in. Of course, that's only right. And so rather than the valuation being 750,000, in this example, the valuation would be 1.35 million for this type of a rudimentary example at a three times multiple. Now, if you're watching this and if you're saying, well, my therapy practice is doing 1.5 million and there's no way I would want to sell for 1.35 million, that's also a whole other conversation where then it gets into a negotiation. Like, so then how, what's the unencumbered free cash flow of the practice? Ultimately, that's how it's valued. So, how can you show us? 
that if we're saying it's worth three times EBITDA and you're saying it's worth four times EBITDA or, or five times EBITDA, that's where the negotiation happens. But we have to kind of see what's the unencumbered free cash flow that if we took out your three family cars on the business books, if we took out the whole family's cell phone plans and all other family gym memberships, the family members, uh, all these expenses that are typically legally put through the business books, but would not be on the books if we bought your practice. If we bought your practice, they would not be on the books next quarter or next year or whatever. So then therefore, there would be more free cash flow in the therapy practice in the business and therefore allowing you to show more free cash flow, which then allows you to negotiate for a higher adjusted EBITDA dollar amount and or EBITDA multiple. And if you can show that, then that is how you can sell for top dollar because you're showing the buyer, hey, here's how we can de-risk this situation. If we took out all these expenses that are not driving revenue growth, here's your free cash flow. Here's what it would be. And then maybe it would be, you know, north of $500,000 of adjusted EBITDA or maybe even more, right? And typically a buyer will want to look at the trailing 12 months. So we're going to look at the last 12 months. Now, we've been certainly uh, flexible with owners because even when we were speaking to owners last year, and it's, you know, everyone's rebounding from COVID. So there's some owners that say, hey, look at my last three or four or five years. Can we take an average of that? In some cases, we can, because obviously in 2018 and 2019, many practices, many therapy practices were doing much, much better, obviously, before COVID happened. So that's also a whole other conversation. Does that make sense? Let me know if you have any questions, if you have any concerns, you may have some feedback for me. I wanted to make this presentation for therapy practice owners that also were really, some were actually irritated or insulted on the one of the previous episodes that I did on another uh, a spreadsheet where I was showing practice A versus practice B, and they were both doing a million dollars and practice A was doing $250,000 a year in net income uh, of net profit. And practice B was doing $15,000 per year. And I gave that example to just show the difference in like the value, the difference in net profit and things that we've seen. And then I had a lot of owners, several privately, publicly contact me and they were really mad because I didn't mention anything about ad backs. I mean, I, I did mention ad backs in that video, but I didn't give like a list of like, okay, here's, here's the ad backs that here's how, you know, you would be able to get another extra hundred thousand, two hundred thousand dollars of ad backs on your books that you have that then instead of having $15,000 that you're declaring to the IRS every year as net profit, if you have an extra $200,000 of ad backs, then now all of a sudden your net income, your net profit would be $250,000, which is then similar to practice A in that example. So I wanted to make this slide presentation because I had a lot of owners give me feedback and, and give, me, give me some heat about that presentation that I put out, I think a week or so ago. And I wanted to make this to show like, of course, like if you have these ad backs that are on the books, but they don't drive revenue growth, then of course, we're going to use those as ad backs. We're going to agree with you on that. And then show like you help us show with your line items and your deductions and your list of these items. Like I said, of the multiple cars, the family cars on the business that all of those family things that are owner perks or above market compensation for the owner or other places where money is being either parked or spent or et cetera, legally, but to avoid a large tax bill, I get it. And so that's why I wanted to make this whole 
presentation about ad backs. If you have more ad backs, you can show a higher EBITDA number or an adjusted EBITDA number. And then therefore, regardless of the EBITDA multiple, you will be able to sell for a higher dollar amount, right? So if you have a physical therapy practice or a therapy practice in New York or New Jersey, whether it's in-home only or a hybrid in-home or outpatient or just outpatient only, if you have a PT practice, PTOT, et cetera, a therapy practice in New York, New Jersey. And if you've ever thought about or considered selling some or all of your therapy practice, feel free to reach out. Email me, dave at conciergepainrelief.com. That's D-A-V-E at conciergepainrelief.com. You can connect with me on LinkedIn. You can connect with me on Facebook, wherever, and reach out. If you'd like to speak confidentially, speak privately, of course, I can uh, shoot you an email of a non-disclosure agreement and NDA. We can sign that before we talk about anything. Or of course, we would sign that typically before we look at any financials of your financials or, or talk any more significantly. Any or all of those conversations will remain between you and I or between you and your team, your broker, your accountant, et cetera, and my board and, and my group. Outside of that, it's going to stay between us. We want to keep things private and confidential because why would we want to have any owners upset or mad at us? That wouldn't make any sense. That would not be aligned with our interests. So we are looking to acquire profitable and cash-flowing, reputable practices in the New York and, and New Jersey area. If that sounds like you, feel free to reach out. It's never too early. And we might be able to introduce you to you know brokers or financial advisors that we know or that we've interviewed on this podcast that might be able to help you. And that's it for right now. Catch you next time on the Dave Kittle Show. Thanks for your time. Bye. Hey, it's Dave Kittle. Are you a healthcare business owner or physical therapy practice owner who is looking to figure out your succession plan or exit strategy? We might be able to help. And in fact, we may be interested in acquiring your practice. If you're interested, you can reach out to me. Shoot me an email at dave at conciergepainrelief.com. That's D-A-V-E at C-O-N. C-I-E-R-G-E, painrelief.com, or you can call me at any time, 646-781-8884.